there's a paragraph in the catechism that I think is a really good summary of like these two weeks that we're in right now, basically beginning with last Sunday's readings all the way through this coming Saturday. And I'll explain what I mean there in a minute, but the paragraph is 954 of the catechism, and it talks about the three states of the church, okay? And this is what it says in in paragraph 954. When the Lord comes in glory and all his angels with him, death will be no more and all things will be subject to him. But at the present time, some of his disciples are pilgrims on earth. Others have died and are being purified, while still others are in glory, contemplating in full light God himself, triune in one, exactly as he is. Now what that paragraph is talking about, the three states of the church, you may have heard it explained this way before, but the church militant, the church suffering, and the church triumphant. And what that means basically, so the church militant is that first one. At the present time, some of his disciples are pilgrims on earth. And when I talk about, you know, uh, how this encompasses these two weeks, so to speak, think about what we reflected on last Sunday. That first reading from Exodus where you had Moses and Aaron and Hur praying up on the mountain. You had Joshua and the Israelites fighting down in the valley below against the Amalekites. You know, everybody working together, staying close to God in prayer, fighting against the enemies out there, you know, with their aimlessness, so to speak, and still being pilgrims ourselves. That we're all in this together, we, the church militants, still pilgrims on earth. This coming Friday is a holy day of obligation. It's a great solemnity. It's All Saints Day. It's the day that we celebrate the church triumphant, those who are already in glory, contemplating in full light God himself. Those who are already pilgrims like you and me, part of the church militant, who have died and now are there forever in heaven rejoicing with God. And we come together on Friday. The church tells us it's an obligation to stop for a second and see the fact that the goal is attainable, that by the grace of God, heaven is a possibility, that to be with God forever and rejoicing in that love forever is possible. In fact, I've heard it described that part of being a part of the church militant, what this life is about, is learning how to love the way they love in heaven. Some people have done that. They've learned how to love the way they love in heaven. Now we call them saints, and they're with God forever in glory. Now, there's the middle one there. So we have church militant. It's what we all are right now. Church triumphant. It's in heaven. The middle one's a little bit less known, and it's not a holy day of obligation, but we will come together and pray once again the next day, All Souls Day. And that's where we talk about the church suffering, or as the catechism just said, that some have died and are being purified. We also call it purgatory. Now, the thing is, Saturday is not a holy day of obligation. I know we won't have quite as many people. In fact, we're not even going to be in the church for that mass. We're going to do something different. We're going to go out to that beautiful new pavilion that's almost done, have mass out there at 1030 on Saturday, and then bless the cemetery. Join us if you can. It'll be beautiful. Let's pray that the weather's like this, not like it was like an hour and a half ago. Um, Although cooler. Cooler would be a lot better, right? Holy cow, it's summer again. Welcome back. But when you think about the church suffering, people that need to be purified, and this Sunday, that would be a good one to kind of reflect on that, especially since we may not all be back together on Saturday. And I think this particular gospel, in fact, this parable, 
helps so much because think about who Jesus addressed the parable to. Those who are convinced of their own righteousness and despised everybody else, all right? Now, I read a really good little phrase about this uh, from Monsignor Charles Pope, who has a wonderful blog. Just everything he writes is wonderful, but he used this little phrase. He said, faults in others I can see, but praise the Lord, there's none in me. Uh, And we all fall into that, right? It's so much easier to see everybody else's faults. But really, I mean, come on, I'm perfect. I don't have to worry about anything, right? No, we know that everybody else has to work on things. So do we. We've all got to strive to grow, right? And to not just be convinced of our own righteousness. We all have things to work on to grow in the love of God in the hopes of one day being a part of that church triumphant. And remember, Heaven isn't just like some consolation prize. I love it when I get to preach to the kids at our all-school mass. There was one time I asked them, uh, I said, now, let me ask you this. What if I went out and I got you all the trophy for the diocesan basketball tournament, and I brought it back here, and I gave it to you? And, I mean, would you be so excited? You have the trophy. You got it now. You won. And they looked at me. I mean, they know They know that cheap grace isn't a good thing. I mean, if you just get the trophy, it's like, okay, here's the Stanley Cup. Well, thanks. But it's not the same as being Wayne Gretzky and having won it, right? I mean, there takes something to get there. And really, heaven is very much the same. We have to work at these things to get there. And what's so good about the church suffering and why we've got to thank God that it is a possibility is because after we're done being a part of the church militants, most of us are not going to be ready to jump right into that glory. I'll give you an analogy, and all analogies break down. But let's just say this. Let's say that my goal in life, it's a huge goal, is to play in the NBA. Now, forgive me because, well, for many reasons, but my NBA references are very dated. I'm stuck back in the early 90s. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, you know, all of them, right? So let's just say my big goal is to play for the Bulls, play in the NBA. And I go to Phil Jackson, the coach, and I say, put me in, coach. And Phil Jackson, out of a sense of mercy, is like, okay, and he puts me in there. I would die, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, Dennis Rodman would have a right to kick me. I mean, it wouldn't be good. The dance, so to speak, that is the NBA with all of the back and forth and what they do and what they do together to win a game, I would detract from that. And also, I wouldn't enjoy it, you know? I wouldn't be happy to be in the midst of that game. Why? Because I'm not prepared. I'll be honest with you. I ran a 5K race here on Friday night. It was fun, but I am in pain right now. I mean, I'm not in very good shape. And that was a 5K. If I tried to go in and play an NBA game, I would be dead, right? And I can't jump in there and play them. Now, let's just say, like I said, all analogies break down. But let's just say for argument's sake, I can get taller and bigger and all of those sort of things. Eventually, maybe, you know, I could work my way into it, but it wouldn't be merciful for Phil Jackson to just be like, okay, get in there, buddy. It would be bad, very bad. It wouldn't work. I don't know how to do that yet. It takes time to build up to that point. Or let's say this, let's say heaven is like, you know, the end of a big journey. Think about, I'm sure we've heard about the Camino or the way, right? Uh, The big pilgrimage in Europe. It's like a 500 mile 
pilgrimage across Europe that many saints have done over the years, many people do it, where they travel on foot to this big church, Santiago de Compostello, which means St. James of the Field of the Stars. It is a beautiful church, actually. I've gotten to visit it, but it wasn't the same because I didn't walk the 500 miles. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful church. It's great. But it's not exactly the same. But let's say I'm setting off on that 500-mile journey, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pack up my stuff. We're going together. I've got my extra pair of shoes, okay? I'm bringing my snacks. And really, for snacks, I really like Belgian waffles. So I'm going to take my Belgian waffle maker, and I want to make sure that I can keep up on Netflix, so I throw my computer in the bag. Okay, I'm not going to make it 500 miles, right? I'm going to be tired after the first day, and I'm going to have to ditch the stuff. If I refuse to let go of the waffle iron, I ain't making it to Santiago de Compostelo. The truth is in the same thing in heaven. When you think about it this way, if you're holding on to a grudge and you will not let it go, you can't carry that into heaven. And you have to be able to let those sort of things go to go into the glory of loving the way they love in heaven. And what is that way? The way that Christ loves the church in a self-sacrificing, self-emptying, selfless sort of way. And the truth of the matter is, if I were to die today, I'm not ready. I'm not totally there yet. I wish I were. I hope I am. And this is the beauty of the church suffering. We know, if we're honest with ourselves, and it's much easier to talk about this objectively at a mass like this, not at a funeral, but we need to pray for our beloved dead. We were taught in the seminary a couple of key things about funerals. One, was don't ever say anything about the deceased that you don't know to be a fact. For example, let's just say I'm in there and it's like, you know, oh, Harry, he was a loving father and, you know, loved his wife so much. And it turns out Harry was always at the bar and didn't even know his kids' names. Well, then I've just lost all credibility, right? It doesn't do any good to say things that aren't true, just to be nice. Well, the fact of the matter is we know if we think about our loved ones or even think about ourselves, like I said, if I were to die today, I'm not ready for heaven yet. And I need prayers to get there. It's an act of mercy and part of being a part of the church militant that we pray for those who are being purified to move on, to keep going, that whatever purification they need, that they're then ready to go into the big you know, divine NBA game and be a part of it, to let go of whatever they need that they can keep going on into that eternal glory. And to be able to pray for those folks is an act of mercy and charity, one that they will forever appreciate. And if they're already moved on, so to speak, well, you know what? No prayers go to waste. God knows how to put them in the right order. And as we move into All Souls Day and that great month of November that's dedicated to praying for the dead, We have these two big things right in front of us. One, to remember our obligation to pray for those who have gone before us. That if any stain of sin has clung to them, it may be forgiven and wiped away. That whatever purification they need to move on into that heavenly glory will come. And then also to pray for ourselves, right? We need to make sure that we're moving in the right direction, that we're not like the Pharisee in this gospel, just convinced of our own righteousness. You know, the thing is, it doesn't do us any good to just pretend we're perfect and take no correction whatsoever. I mean, the example I'll give you, it's false, at least I hope it is. If it's not, tell me that it's not. But let's just say I was like driving in and out of here all the time, like 60 miles an hour, right? It's like, gosh, father is just a reckless driver. I mean, we have a school. There's kids around here. 
if I'm driving like that all the time, it's not charitable to just be like, can't say anything to Father. I mean, he's putting us all in danger and himself too, but I don't want to be mean. Well, that's not good, you know? Sometimes we got to tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, it's time to be purified of that. And it's better to do it now or while we're part of the church militant. It's good to pray for people in an honest, realistic, and good way. Not that it's, I'm convinced of my own righteousness and despise everyone else. No. As I said before, we're part of the church militant. We're all in this together. We pray for those who are in the church suffering, who still need to be purified. That, at the end of the day, we all move towards that divine destination where they love the way that they love in heaven. And that's what we're a part of right now, learning how to do that. And we have this opportunity, especially during November, to pray for those who have gone before us and to pray for ourselves, that we may all continue to grow in that love, the love of Christ, the love that never fails, the love that will continue on into all of eternity. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.